0: Welcome to Vegan Business Talk with Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. Hello and welcome to episode 75 of Vegan Business Talk. I'm Katrina Fox, journalist, author, media and PR coach, copywriter, editor and proofreader and founder of Vegan Business Media, a content, events and training platform providing success tips for vegan business owners and entrepreneurs. In this episode, I interview Renee Hasseldean, a course creation and leverage expert from Share Your Passion in Melbourne, Australia. After a corporate career that included stints in the tech and finance sectors, Renee ran a careers coaching firm for 11 years. During that time, she was also part of the senior leadership team for Robbins Research International, leading and coaching participants through Tony Robbins' personal and professional development programmes. Determined to not only live a fulfilled life herself as an entrepreneur, Renee founded Share Your Passion in 2014 to help other entrepreneurs do the same by leveraging their expertise, particularly by creating courses. She shares her signature seven-stage process of course creation in her best-selling book, Share Your Passion, which provides experts and entrepreneurs with a simplified system to launch their courses. In this interview, Renee discusses how to know when you're ready to create a course and the four foundations you need in place to do it successfully. The type of course you should avoid creating. The seven stages of course creation. How to figure out what courses to create. How to work out what to give away for free and what to include in a paid course. The biggest mistake business owners make in relation to course creation. The different types of platforms for course delivery and how to choose which one is best for you. Whether or not to have continual open enrolment or set start and finish dates for your course. And much more. Here's the interview with Renee Hasseldine from Share Your Passion. Hello, Renee. Thank you very much for joining me. So great to be here with you, Katrina. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to digging in and learning from you and sharing with our listeners, particularly about course creation, which is what you're you're an expert in. So, but first of all, let me kick off with the question I ask everybody on the show: Why do you do what you do? Why do you run your business? What what's what's your why?
1: Yeah, so my big why is empowering people to love what they do and do what they love. And for me, that really stems back to when I was working in corporate, I I was severely depressed. And um so for me, that was the beginning of a soul searching journey and a personal development journey. And I sort of came out of that really committed to living my life in a purposeful and meaningful way and wanting to, in some way, be part of helping others to do that too. So, so for me, my business really allows me to work with people who are passionate about what they do and to give them the business skills and the strategies
0: to make that happen and make it real. Got it, got it. And why course creation? Why did you decide to kind of specialize in leverage and course creation?
1: Well, I, I guess my, my big... Juicy kind of excitement and what I kind of think of as business porn is really kind of me extracting people's business ideas from their head and turning it into something tangible. And so course creation is part of that. Um, but, but really it's not the be all and end all. You know, I'm passionate about leverage and passionate about people loving what they do and doing what they love. And course creation just happens to be one of the ways to do that. So. Um, I guess I love it really because it is a really leveraged
0: way of working with people for service providers. All right. Cool. And so that's great. Now it's interesting you say that about um, service providers because that's who I initially thought of, um, who are prime for you know course creation. But I wondered if there are also if there are other types of vegan business owners and entrepreneurs that could also run courses. Like maybe if they made food or fashion or skincare or shoes. Like, is there other opportunities for those kind of people to also create courses?
1: Look, I th- I think there is definitely an opportunity there. It's not that's not the type of business owner that I specialize in working with. Uh, you know, the people I work with tend to be thought leaders um, and service providers, experts in their fields. So that's what I'm, you know, I have more experience in working with businesses of that ilk. But I also think that it's absolutely possible for product owners to think about how they could use courses as well. And, and the reason I say that is, because courses in a way are kind of like the business card of the day, you know, it's like, well, everybody's got a book now and everyone's an author. And then the next thing th- seems to be, well, you know, you've got a course online as well. So it's, I, ca- I kind of think of it in a way as a business card and, and also, you know, it, it's content marketing, if you like. So it, it, it could be possible for some businesses to embrace Course creation. So, you know, if I'm thinking in particular of, uh, food based businesses, for example, you know, of course you could have cooking programs and things that you have that you sell online. That's, sure. that's absolutely possible. Um, you know, that might be an example of something that would work, but you know, for me, in terms of who I specialize in working with, that's, you know, I don't have a lot of experience there, so I don't feel like I can really, um, add huge amount of value there for those people who are you know specializing in skincare and and all that sort of stuff so um yeah so yeah definitely um for people who are service providers out there um that that's definitely where where i see the
0: yeah of course now you touched a little bit on this about there's a bit of a buzz at the moment with uh around courses and programs and it seems like you say it's the next best thing and everybody's jumping on the bandwagon and doing a course so what are your thoughts on that should we still do it should we still, well, you should never do something just
1: because everyone else is doing it. I mean, that's that's not a great path to joy and happiness and fulfillment really and I've learnt that several times over in my life. So, uh I wouldn't be doing it just because everyone else is doing it. I think if it's the right thing for you and your business, then yes, you should be doing it. And so, I then think about, well, how do you know if you're ready to create a course and Because a lot of people come to me and they're brand new in their business and they're like, I want to create a course. And I actually think that there's a time and a place for someone in a business to create a course. And you really need to lay some strong foundations in your business before you can create a course and actually have it be successful. Because it's actually quite a lot of work to create a course or program. It's not a it's not a simple thing. Um and to do it well takes time and effort and and I think you know touching on you know everyone's doing it, everyone's jumping on the bandwagon, yes, well, there's a lot of people out there with courses that really should not be running courses because <laughs> quite frankly they're crap, yeah, and so you know if you're quite happy to put out some crap out there, then go for it go and create a course but but really, if you want to create a quality program or course that really will get results for your clients that you really care about them making a difference and making change then
0: Really, you need to make sure you've laid strong foundations. Mm. So you touched on that. So when is the right time to create a program, of course. So when you say uh, laying those foundations, do you mean, so for example, that you're already kind of quite well known in your field? Maybe you've done some speaking gigs or you've done a fair amount of one-on-one clients. How do you sort of, what kind of foundations are you talking about?
1: So I have four main kind of, four main foundations that I refer to when I'm thinking about Is someone ready to create a course? And the first one is really honing in on their zone of genius. So if you're a kind of generalist, then you're not ready. So you really need to be very, very clear about what are the problems you solve and the solutions that you provide. And, you know, and you start to see this emerge when you're working with your ideal clients over and over and over again and you find yourself repeating the same messages and processes and content concepts with people. So when you're starting to find that you're repeating yourself, you're like, okay, so I'm really I I know my stuff well enough now that really it's coming through and it's repetitive because I just know it so well and the people who are coming to me are coming to me to solve a particular problem and you know the solutions I'm providing are consistent. Um but not only are they consistent, I'm getting I'm getting results consistently as well. So that my clients are seeing results. I've got proven results in working with my one-on-one clients and then I can really see that I am an expert in what I do and then that's worthy of becoming a group program or course. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah.
1: That's the first one. That's, that's really honing in on your new zone of genius. The second is, Making sure it's aligned with your passion and your purpose. So I am I love that you started off with, you know, what is your why? Because that really is absolutely critical. Uh, because creating your course or program takes a lot of work and time and effort, it's crazy to go about doing all that if it's not aligned with your big why because you might find six months, 12 months later that you're bored with it and you can't be bothered anymore and then that would have been a waste of time. So really – uh, you need to make sure that what you're doing is aligned with your why so that you've got the energy to get through the hard days. Cause some days it'll be, you know, difficult to get up and say, I've got to record 30 videos today. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, if it's not aligned with your why, that's going to be up, that's pushing it uphill,
0: right? Absolutely. Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. And we, you know, we don't want that. That's, that's, that's not why we started our businesses to be doing work that's hard. So, so really, I love to see that, um, people are, creating courses and programs because they really believe in what they're doing.
0: Yeah, got it. So that's that's number number two. two. Yeah, yeah.
1: Number three is about the sales and marketing and you did touch on that as, you know, have you got a profile, you know, and so really that's about having a strong personal brand. So, you know, if you're still kind of stuck in that hiding behind a big corporate brand kind of mentality where I started and I was for many, many years, you know, after leaving corporate, I was very much of the mentality of I needed to have my business brand, You know, have that corporate kind of feeling and image and I hid behind that for a long time before actually coming out and embracing my own personal brand. And I think that that's really an important step because people buying courses and programs, it's, well, it's much harder to sell a course or program than it is to sell one-on-one. That's, and that's just, that's the way it is. So if you have trouble selling your one-on-one packages and program and, um, services, it's going to be much harder for you to sell group courses and programs. So really you need to be super, super confident in who you are, what you stand for, you know, what what your marketing is, what your branding is and have the ability to follow through and convert that into sales. Mm, Got it. Cool. So that
0: was number three, wasn't it? Number four is a reality check because
1: if you are creating courses and programs because you think, woohoo, it's my ticket to passive income. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> it's really not. If you want passive income, go and see a financial advisor. There are much easier ways to make money. Now, you know, that's not to say that see, course creation is absolutely a fabulous way to create leveraged income, but it is not passive.
0: What do you mean by what's the difference? Well, we don't we can't so, know what passive is. Let's Let's explain for anyone who doesn't know. What's the difference between yep. leveraged income and passive income?
1: You know, so passive is, you know, you stick your money in a term deposit and you get a You know, a a guaranteed return on investment for that, you know, whatever percentage that you're getting for that money that goes in or, you know, you go and see a financial advisor and they recommend an investment product and, you know, you hand over your cash, goes in and then you get your percentage return on that each year. Pretty much in terms of your time and effort, it's negligible, right? It's as much time as it takes for you to have meet, have a meeting and, and set it up, maybe fill in a form or two. You know, it's close to zero. As close to zero as you're going to get. A course or program is leveraged. And by leveraged, I mean that you're getting more. When I talk about leverage, I'm talking about getting more with less. So you're going to be making more money in less time or getting better results in less time or having a bigger impact, reaching more people in less time with less effort. So that's absolutely possible with leveraged products, with courses and programs. But it's not passive. Uh, and I say that because even if you choose to create a course or program, stick it online and let it be completely unsupported, which I don't recommend, um, and just sell it out to the masses and don't, you know, and, and just let it all sort of tick over in the background and let the technology take care of everything else. It's not passive because the amount of time you need to spend to set it up is significant. It's not, it's, you know, it's not just fill in a form and it's done. It, you know, there are hundreds if not thousands of hours involved in creating courses
0: and programs. Yeah. So that's, that's not passive. <laughs> what about once it's created? Like, I know you say you don't recommend that type of course, but then once it's created, like you've done that initial work and mm-hmm. then it's kind of done, is, is it then possible to be almost set and forget? And Does, that, does it then become passive or passive-ish?
1: Uh, no, because it's, it's definitely not a case of if you build it, they will come. Absolutely not. You know, you need to do the sales and marketing and that's not passive. Yeah, yeah. You can't just set and forget. It just, it's, it's totally unrealistic to expect that
0: to happen. Good. Um yeah, I'm glad you're saying that because we do hear, as we said, from a lot of, I guess, unscrupulous marketers that, oh, yeah, online courses, they're passive income, and it's yes. so not true. And one of the things that came to me as you're, you're thinking that, because I'm launching my own online course, which starts in in a few weeks, and one Ooh. of the thing, the reason that I started it actually was because people asked me to. Like I was just quite happy. I was doing my weekly, pod, you know, this weekly podcast, and I was busy creating my profile and, you know, kind of, I guess, Becoming the expert, you know, known for being, you know, helping vegan business owners and entrepreneurs, Uh, and I was quite happy, sort of, you know, doing all that and creating that and doing, you know, consulting with people one on one. And then I literally had about, you know, different people saying to me, "You need to create some kind of course, you know, so more people can have access to you." And this and that. And it took a while for me to actually say, "Right, okay." This is what I'm going to do and this is the course that I'm going to do and partly it really came from other people saying, hey, you need to run a course. But on that, what would you say? How do you know, um, what's the right type of course to run? Because I know I personally had people. I had, I wanted to do, I thought I can do an online PR course because it's, it's very much in my background. You know, I've been a journalist for nearly 20 years. I've got a whole load of, you know, skill sets that I can definitely uh, pass on to people. But then I also had someone else say, no, you should do a course based on your book, you know, a more general kind of, you know, vegan business book. And I'm like, no, no, that doesn't feel right kind of thing. Um, and I thought it, there was a bit of an internal thing going on of, well, am I doing a course that I want to do or should I be doing a course that other people want to do? And in the end, look, I went with the Online PR course, and I'm happy with it. I've got more than my minimum number to make it viable and everything. But can you just talk to a little bit about how do you decide what the topic will be for, say, your first course? Absolutely, I think
1: that it's a balance between. And you ask the question: Is do I do the course that I want to run, or do I do the course that my clients want me to create? And it's both. It needs to be you. You. You need to be working with ideal clients who are so aligned with you that what you want to create is absolutely aligned with what they want you to produce and and the solutions they want you to provide. So that really comes back to you know I have a seven uh, seven stages of course creation and stage one is all about your passion and purpose and it's all about tapping into your why. Who your ideal client is and what problems you solve and the solutions that you provide. So I would say if you're thinking about what course or program do I run? Talk to your clients. Do some market research. Absolutely. If you don't know the answers to the questions, you know, what problems do they solve? What keeps them up at night? What, you know, how do they want me to deliver these courses and programs? If you don't know the answers to those questions, ask them. They're not going to bite you. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, um so i really I love the whole process of going through market research, and I continue to do that in my business because it brings me into contact and connection with with people who you know are often watching me from afar you know they listen to my podcast or they um read all my newsletters and my blogs and watch my videos and do all those things, and you know they've got all this kind of um one directional kind of stuff you know they're absorbing all of me but I need to get that back sometimes to find out okay is it landing is it not what's working what's not so I really love the process of just getting on the phone with people and saying you know well tell me what are the biggest problems in your business right now yeah. and just listening to them and finding out exactly what it is that they want from me uh, and you know and from that gleaning what what solutions I can provide that will really fit with that and that I'm also going to be juiced about. So I'm not going to create something just because they're asking for it. They're asking for it. They want it. Great. There's a demand and it's something I'm pumped
0: about. If I'm not pumped about it, Mm -hmm. move on. Got it. it. That makes so much sense. Absolutely. So creating courses and programs, it can be, like you said, it can be overwhelming. There's so many pieces of the pie. There's the vegan pie, of course, (laughs) because, you know, we've got, the, (laughs) like you said, the concept, the actual creation, deciding what to include, what not to include, how to deliver it, whether you use video, audio written, uh, what technology to use, um, for example. So how can people avoid getting lost in all of that?
1: And it totally is overwhelming for so many people. And I have been in that position of feeling overwhelmed, which is the reason why I have mapped it all out in a very step by step, step, simple process. So I have seven, the seven stages of course creation, as I mentioned earlier. And, and within each of those stages, I have a very simple checklist. So if, if anyone wants to sort of know, I mean, I've, it's, it's a free, a Free checklist that everyone's welcome to have, and um, I'm sure you can put the link in the show notes. Yeah, of course. It's on my on my website at Um, You know, I highly recommend that people just use that because that having a clear step by step process, I think having in front of you and just saying, okay, first step I have to do is get clear on my why. Okay, great tick, I've got that. You know, next step, I need to define my ideal client. Okay, do that. So it's, I think. Knowing exactly what to do and in what order can really help to relieve all that overwhelm because it's just
0: clear. It's just having that clarity of, am I doing this right? So you've mentioned steps one and two. So can you just briefly take us through three to seven?
1: Yes. Well, actually, the, the ideal client and the, and the why are part of stage one. Okay.
0: So,
1: so stage one is your passion and purpose where we look at, Um, your big why, who your ideal client is, the problems that you solve and solutions you provide. So that's all about stage one. Stage two is about the branding. And, you know, as you will know, but maybe not everybody listening will know, brand is about so much more than your logo. And I think, you know, when we say logo, people think, Oh, yes, I've got my logo done. But really what I'm, what I'm interested in in terms of your branding is what is your brand essence? You know, for me, my brand essence is passion, and everything I do, I am passionate about, and I'm overexcited, you know, mm-hmm. and 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 that comes through in everything that I do. Uh, You know, if if my passion is not shining through,
0: that I'm not on brand.
1: Yeah. So, actually, I'm curious, what's your brand essence?
0: My brand essence, my passion is literally a vegan world domination, one business at a time. That's what I say at the beginning of my book. It's literally, I want every business. Uh, to be vegan so that vegan almost becomes redundant it becomes the norm
1: yes I just watched Carnage actually last week we had a film
0: night in our local community and uh, yes yeah
1: yes, yeah exactly (laughs) exactly
0: (laughs) I love it I love it it.
1: yeah so so that's kind of what you shared with me then though that's more about your sort of mission and um, and the vision that you have but in brand essence I'm talking more about it's a feeling when someone comes in contact with you with your brand how do they feel in response to that and you know so i've worked with health coaches for example and their brand essence is vitality um so yeah it's it's, it's thinking about what what is that essence of your brand in itself so that and and also incoming, um, in coming encompassing brand as well is um we need to have some of those basics yes, you need a logo. Yes, you need your fonts and your colors all defined because when we create our course and program, we want to make sure that all the slides or worksheets and all the materials that you create are on brand. So having those ready to go in the early stages is is really handy sure. when you get up to that point. So that's stage two. Stage three is all about um, the product funnel and packaging it up. So looking at, well, I'm creating a course or program, but how does this fit into my whole business? Because I don't like to look at a creating a course in isolation because I think it's a dangerous way to go about it. You need, you need to think about, well, why am I creating this course? How does that fit into my overall business? Where does that fit into my funnel? Um, you know, all that sort of stuff. So stage three is about having a product funnel and and, and seeing how the whole ecosystem works, if you like. Yeah. Cool. Um and I think especially you know if you would go back to the question you asked earlier about well what about product manufacturers and people who are working in food and shoes and skincare that sort of stuff you know I think if they were considering course creation then really thinking about the product funnel and where it fit in where it would fit in and why would be a really critical step
0: Sure yeah excellent cool Yeah
1: Okay so that's stage 3 stage 4 then is this is my um most passionate stage because this is really all – this is about creating your methodology or your blueprint. This is about extracting the brilliance out of your mind. You know, if you've got 10 years or you said I think you've got 20 years experience um as a journalist, you know, you've got so much knowledge in your brain
0: yeah. that it's
1: impossible – you know, how are you going to impart <laughs> share that with someone who's coming along to do a course which is, you know, a few weeks long or whatever it is? You know, yeah. how can you possibly – is still, twenty years of information into six weeks or whatever the time frame is. So that's the part that I get super juiced about because it means that we pull it all out. So you know, you can imagine that you've got all this information in your head. It's kind of knotted up like spaghetti, you know, vegan spaghetti bolognese, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's all knotted up and all tangled up, right? We've got to pull it all out, untangle it, line up all that spaghetti, and then put it into chunks. So that it's really um, in a format that's easy for people to remember because the human brain can kind of only really take away between two and nine pieces of information at a time. So if you're just downloading a whole lot of information on people and giving them all, you know, just speaking for hours on end because you can with 20 years experience, there's no way they can absorb all of that.
0: Right, right.
1: What they can absorb is between two and nine Chunks of information. So,
0: Mm. so we'd like, I like
1: to really find what those chunks of information are. So for me, it's my seven stages of course creation. Great. Well, let's now turn that into an infographic because once we've got a visual representation of that, then people can really not only, they don't have have to just remember it in their heads. They can actually have a visual memory of it as well. And that can really help people to work out how all the pieces of the puzzle fit together.
0: Got it. Okay. Cool.
1: And I get super excited about that and for me, that is my business porn and that's kind of like my,
0: ooh, give me more of that. <laughs> Fantastic. So that was stage four? Was stage, four. Yeah, stage, stage four. Yeah, stage four. Okay. So yep. stage
1: five. So stage five then is um once we've got all those chunks of information, you've got your kind of methodology that you can become known for. Then in stage five, we're going to take that methodology and we're going to map out Okay, how is that going to look in terms of all the topics and, um, information that will be delivered in the course or program? So I like to lay that out in a spreadsheet and I know spreadsheets are not for everyone. Um, so you know, some of my clients do that in a Word document because that feels much safer. But we just look at, okay, so say for example, we're working with my seven stages of course creation. We'll look at, okay, in stage one, we're going to cover this, this and this and we'll, we'll basically put the bullet points in for each of those chunks of information yeah so doing all that then at the end of stage five basically you've mapped out the whole program and that's super super exciting because then whether you choose to create a course write a book um, whatever you choose to do with that whatever leverage product you create at the end of stage five you've got what you need to yeah. do that efficiently mm,
0: that makes sense yeah cool
1: because even from the end of stage five, you can take what you've created at the end of stage five and turn that into a checklist and create a free opt-in for your website.
0: Right, right. Yeah,
1: which is which is really um, powerful because it's also in alignment with the end product being your course or program at the end. So, you know, the mm. opt-in really is speaking to, well, if someone's wanting this opt-in, this checklist that shows them this is the seven stages of course creation, what you need to do, if someone's really interested in that and they want that, and potentially, they're also going to be interested in more information down the line and sure. yeah. in the whole program. Yeah. So that's the end of stage five. Stage, stage six then is actually building the course or program. And so this is creating your worksheets, your slides, videos, you know, all that sort of stuff, the actual building of it. And now you can imagine, you know, having done the first five stages, creating all those. Materials then is so much more efficient because you've done the hard work. Yeah. And one of the biggest mistakes I see people make is they jump straight into stage six. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This is where, this is where people start and this is how they end up with weeks and months and years down rabbit holes
0: because they start with just creating the content. Got it. All right. That makes, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You can get a lot of tangents. Yeah. You can get really bogged down in that. It makes so much sense. The planning. I know certainly what you're describing. I certainly did that for my book. Um, and Mm. I will be doing it for my course because I'm pre-selling. pre-selling the course so actually beginning this week I'm literally starting and depending on when this episode airs it might be in the future but um, I will be literally yeah, doing that mapping out like I've got my 12 modules which like all the 12 main topics which were on my sales page but yeah now I've got to go through and map in like what am I going to cover in each one and and then start to create it so that that certainly makes a lot of sense and yeah yeah avoids you like you say going down those rabbit holes so what's stage seven I'm going to take a guess is it selling and marketing it
1: uh, it's Well, it's the, deli- Please, <laughs> the, the delivery. The selling and marketing is part of that. But also, you know, this is about um, how do you deliver your course or program in a way that keeps your clients engaged? Because it's all very good and well to, you know, take their money, but we're not going to take their money and run because we're not like those unscrupulous yeah. internet marketers who are out there saying that who cares if they do it or not after you sell it. Yeah. That's not us. So I'm hoping. Being vegan business owners, right? We're not just compassionate about the animals. We actually care about That's our clients cool. as well.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> good, good. Just just checking. <laughs> so
1: we want to make sure in stage seven that we are using um, everything we possibly can to make sure that our clients stay engaged and get results. So, you know, of course, when we're working one-on-one with our clients, it's much easier to make sure that that happens and we're moving into that one-to-many model than then really, um, there are different things that we can do. And one of the main things that I'll, I'll say is that I really believe that having a live component in the prog, in your courses and programs is critical. So, you know, you talked about before having a, a passive courses where people just, you know, pay, they sign, they do it themselves. It just doesn't work. Mm. Because people will, and I know because I've done this a million times myself, where I go, oh, shiny object, I'm going to buy this course. I buy the course. I download it. I put it in my folder for, you know, the rainy day folder for when I've got some time. That folder only grows in one direction. And that is it gets bigger and bigger. And
0: I never open it to actually absorb any of that information. Got it. It. yeah no that's important yeah that kind of leads me on to almost like the next question in terms of the technology then like what technology should you use so should you get say a wordpress plugin for your own website or should you go with like a hosted site yeah. independent site like teachable or yes course i'm actually using something called yes course and i, I made that decision because it has and A Q&A forum so people can post their questions and get personal responses from me and then i'm also running three live calls throughout the 12 weeks as well so people can jump on and and ask questions so I like that you've you've touched on that the whole importance of having that um, kind of live interaction so people are not just left to their own devices so can you say anything about the kind of ways to do that or the, the best kind absolutely. of technology and depending on where somebody is at in their course creation I guess as well that probably makes a difference but yeah what can you tell us about that?
1: Yeah I mean absolutely I mean I can rant on and on about this topic forever and a day but you know I'll try and keep it concise for you <laughs> so so really, um, I would firstly say that the technology itself can be a whole other ball game. And if you're running your program for the very first time, if it is your pilot program, and I urge everybody to pilot their, you know, to pilot and test out their program at least once, preferably twice before they go into recording video. Um, to pilot your program, you really do not need any fancy pants technology. All you need is Zoom so you can run conference calls and deliver your content live and an email because when you're delivering your content for the very first time, if it is on video and your clients are watching it and you can't see their faces, you have no idea which bits are landing and which bits they're completely baffled by. Right. You've got no way of getting that immediate feedback for every single thing that is said. And I think that's dangerous. So I really love piloting programs. And so but what that would look like is, you know, for example, someone signs up. I send them out the first email. that says, great, welcome to the program. On the first call, we're going to be talking about this, this and this. Um, you know, here's a little bit of homework for you to do. And I'll see you on Tuesday on our first call. Okay. And then they come along on Tuesday and I deliver the content. Live, so you know whether I'm using slides or I'm just speaking directly to camera, um, deliver the content live so that I can, and also have the people who are attending see their faces as well.
0: Mm-hmm. And so
1: Zoom's great because it allows you to, to do that. Okay. Uh, and for those who haven't used Zoom, it's a similar technology to Skype, um, but I do love that you know it really works well in this particular envi- environment of um, running courses and programs live. Okay. So, okay. so it means that then I can watch when people are not getting what I'm saying, and they can ask me questions on the spot as well, so that I can refine my content as I go. Got it.
0: So, Got
1: it. so that's really really powerful because it means that the next time I run my course, it's going to be even better.
0: Sure. And I re-
1: I really am completely committed to you know constant never ending improvement. So yeah. you know that that's one of the ways that allows me to do that. So. So I deliver the content live and then, you know, at the end of the call, I set the task for, okay, so we've talked about this, now go away and do X, Y, Z. And they go away and do that and they bring back to me what they've done and share that on the program. And I think, you know, what, what I really love about programs that I think that works super well is implementation programs because we live in the day of Google. We do not need more information. Any information that, you know, I can deliver in a course or programme, you know, if you look hard enough, you're gonna find it on the internet anyway. Yeah. You'll probably find a video of me talking about it, you know. It's you're not coming to me for information, you're coming to me for implementation and for me to hold your hand and make sure it's done and to give you feedback on what you're producing.
0: Got it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And you know, so if someone comes to you for a PR course, Katrina, they're gonna to want to come to you and you know, they're gonna write their their press release and they're going to want you to see it and give them feedback on it. That's mm. more powerful to them than someone, than, you know, you saying, this is how you write a press release.
0: Yeah. yeah. Actually, no. <laughs>
1: yeah. Tell me how to do it. Then I do it and I show you and then you give me feedback. That's so much more
0: powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Cool. So what about the differences then in say using something like say teachable versus a yes. WordPress plugin?
1: I will get to that. Yes. So great. So in a pilot program, you don't need it at all. Right. Because you're delivering it live on Zoom and then you're, you know, sending out worksheets or follow-ups or whatever just using your email. So that's – you don't need it in the first – when you're piloting the program. Once you've kind of got to the point where you're really confident with the content you're delivering and, you know, you're okay, great. I've implemented some improvements based on feedback from the last round or two. Now I feel like this is ready for videos. You can record the videos and, and upload it onto a platform. My Strong preference is to go for a hosted platform. So there are a couple of different ways you can go about it. You know, you've got – there are kind of three different types of um solutions really that you can go for. There's the WordPress plugins that you mentioned. There are the um third-party platforms like you mentioned, Teachable, YesCourse that you said, Thinkific is the one I use. Um, you know, there are a bunch of them out there and new ones coming out every day. Uh, and the third option is something like a, a Udemy, for example. Oh yeah, which is a marketplace. So, and there's a time and a place for each of them. But I, I'm, I'm a big advocate for the the third-party hosted platforms, like you know, you've chosen. Yes, course, I think you said. Yeah. And, and you know, Teachable, Thinkific. I'm a big fan of that because most of us are not technology experts and you know inevitably if you've got a website bugs happen things happen things break and you know we don't want to be spending our time as business owners fixing that
0: stuff exactly <laughs> so I, I
1: i think that it's much better to just have a platform that is designed specifically to host courses does it extremely well and you know, someone else is taking care of all the boring techie stuff that you should not yeah, be bothering absolutely. with.
0: Yeah, I totally, so I, totally agree. Well, I'm glad
1: I made a good choice. <laughs> <laughs> you did. You made a great choice. Um, and, you know, and I'll say that because I, I do want to touch on talking about the WordPress plugins because I actually persisted for six months. Well, not me personally. I had my content producer and assistant working on it for me because I don't like touching technology. But I was convinced thinking – A WordPress plugin would be best because then it's on my site. I own the content. You know, it's all in one place. You know, I wanted it to, I had this kind of, um, attachment to it being on my own property. Yeah. Uh, and also that, you know, the upside being that you pay a license fee once and then that's it. You don't have monthly fees. You know, that sounded attractive to me. But six months later, we still hadn't got it looking Anywhere near as sexy as the third party platforms. You know, WordPress is a blogging platform. And, you know, the back end of the, of the plugins just doesn't work intuitively for a course creator. Right. It's just not simple. It was just, we were beating our heads against a brick wall. And you know, we're not stupid people. <laughs> we're <both laughs> educated, you know, we're not dumb. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But it made us feel, you know, frustrated because it's not, it was a square peg in a round hole, you know. WordPress is not designed as a course creation platform. Yes, you can get plugins that do that, but they're trying to do that in a blogging platform.
0: Yeah, got it. Got and
1: so, it. you know, your, okay. your topics or your lessons would be in there as blogs, but yeah, it just was a mess.
0: Got it, got it. it- <laughs> oh, that's cool. No, good. No, that makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. So one of the main worries I think that a lot of people have when thinking about running a course um, is that no one or hardly anyone is going to sign up for it. So I'm curious that what are your thoughts on that? And, and that, I guess there's probably a, t- a two sides to that. One is a mindset thing around confidence and the other is, well, what are some of the best ways to market their course? Mm-hmm. And what do they need to take into account yeah, when putting it out there?
1: Well, I think it is part, yeah, as you say, definitely there's a mindset aspect um, and there's also a marketing aspect and there's also a time and a place aspect. So, you know, really, if you've waited for the right time to create a course in your business, uh, then that's going to mean, you know, you'll, you're going to reduce the chances of hearing crickets, right? Uh, secondly, if you've laid the foundations, if you've, you know, in stage one, if you've done the market research, if you've done all those, all those things that we talked about for stage one, then you're less likely to create something that nobody wants. So really, it's making sure you've laid the foundations early on is almost more important than the marketing. Mm, Um, Yeah, good point. if, If you're, you know, and I love that Katrina you created a course because people came to you and said they wanted it that's a pretty good sign
0: yeah and then I put it out to my email list to say hey I'm looking for ways. you know as you know I put out a lot of free content and I do one-on-one thinking of maybe running some online courses what would be you know what do you think of this so I did what you said and like got some feedback from people and then I had a certain number go okay and but I pre-sold it like I didn't rush ahead like you then create a whole load of content I then but even to get to that sales page I was quite nervous I was kind of like oh, but what if nobody signs up for it and then I have to cancel it and then people will talk about me and say oh nobody wanted to do her course like I had all that mindset stuff going out so it did take me a while but then once I did actually put it out there I committed to it fully and it's worked out okay but yeah so I'm yeah. just kind of Yeah, the whole process to it. But yeah, carry on.
1: Yes. Well, no, I think it's interesting you bring up that mindset stuff because, you know, I've been in business for 17 years and it's absolutely, if you can't overcome your own personal limiting beliefs, you'll never get through anything in business because, you know, one thing's guaranteed in business is that we're going to mess up multiple times. (laughs) And it's... You know, that's that's not none of those are failures. That they're just opportunities for us to to learn and do it better next time. You know, and that's any successful entrepreneur that you can name anywhere in the world, I'm sure can reel off you know countless mistakes that they've made in their in their journeys, and you know, and they'll they'll never claim to say that they stopped they have they stopped making mistakes. Yeah. So you know i think there are no guarantees in with your course either it's possible you'll make a mistake but i think what we need to be confident in is that we're putting something out there into the world that we believe in that we're passionate about that we believe is going to make a difference and you know we're we're doing it for those reasons it is adding massive value to our clients and if for some reason it doesn't land back to the drawing board. Let's have a look and see why not. Um, I think, you know, we need to go into, we need to approach these things with a resilient mindset that says, okay, well, if it doesn't work, I'm going to bounce back up and, and see why not.
0: Yeah. No, I like that. That makes sense. Now, there's some, one way of marketing I've seen people do is they create like a free mini course to give people a taste of them and then upsell a paid course. In those instances, I'm curious to get your thoughts on that. And in those instances, how do you figure out What to put in the free course, i.e., how to, what to give away for free and what to then put in the paid course.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I have seen a a lot of people doing that. I haven't personally done it myself, but I think, you know, it's the same thing as what would you put into an opt-in and. Yeah,
0: or a blog or a podcast.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Well, look, here's, you know, and I, and I know, you know, people also say, well, what's giving away too much for free? So, you know, and in, in essence, you know, I could, I effectively, everything that I talk about in my seven stages of course creation, all my free videos out there pretty much talk about that. If you, you know, if you want to go through all my videos on my social media pages, you'll find every, everything I teach is out there. I, I don't hold anything back, you know. The difference is when someone is doing a paid course with me is that what they're getting is me. They're getting my feedback. You know, they're saying, yeah. You know, it's one thing for me to say, okay, go and work on um, creating your methodology. We're in stage four. You know, go create your methodology, and I give you all the information on how to do that. If you're doing that in isolation, how on earth do you know without having a sounding board or to someone to show it to, to say, is this right? Have I done the right thing? Does this make sense? It's having that feedback and someone saying, yeah, that's great, but I would tweak. Have you thought about doing this, or what about doing it this way? Having someone look at your work or look at what you've created and give you that feedback is actually what people pay, will pay for. Got and it. I think, right. you know, right. to me, the difference between something that you give away for free openly and generously and something that people pay for is your personal time and input and effort.
0: Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Like you said, I think you touched on earlier when you said, yeah, they're, they're paying for you. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting, one because I know, like, people, for example, they might run a Facebook group and they might put something out, you know, about, I don't know, how to write a press release. And then people comment. And then, and then if you're giving that feedback back for free as well, it, I, I know I've heard people say, but then I kind of don't know, um, you know, how to go from that to, to charging. So I suppose it's, I guess it's kind of just becoming very clear about, yeah, where you're giving it away for free and and how you're giving the feedback back so that you are at least saving something so that you're able to make a living.
1: Yeah, and I think that's having clear boundaries, yeah. Um absolutely. But also, the thing is that, you know, in a Facebook post, if someone's put a Facebook question out there and they're asking about how to write a press release and you respond to that in a comment, there is no way that your 20 years of experience is going to be distilled into that one comment. Yeah. And you know and and also people are knowing, well, if this is what she can give away for free, then imagine what is behind that you know there's and so I come from this mindset of abundance, really, where I just feel like I will answer all the questions because there's no way I can give everything I possibly know in in one Facebook post or one video or. One comment or, you know, even one whole podcast. I mean, there's no way I can download all my years of experience in this one interview right it's yeah, just not physically possible
0: it. yeah I know and I'm conscious of time as well we're giving we're, we're getting some great stuff here no that's that's true that makes sense one thing I did want to ask you Renee is about your thoughts on courses. I know we touched on courses you don't just put them out there and leave people and, uh, and abandon them but what are your thoughts on actually having like evergreen or open courses that are always open for enrollment um, at, versus courses that have a very uh, set start and finish date <laughs>
1: I think that partly depends on how you like to work um but also what works for the clients. So for me I'm I really believe in having supported programs. So if you're going to if your program is, you know, very much, you know, for example, my seven stages of course creation, you know, there's there's a, a chronological pathway there, you know, someone starts up, they're all working on stage 1 together, stage 2 together, etc. It makes sense for there to be a start date. And for people to be in about the same stage as we're going along, so that when we're on the group calls and people are getting feedback on stage one, we're all talking about stage one. We don't have one person talking about stage one and another one on stage seven and that's confusing, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think it works well to have set start dates when you're providing feedback to people and you know, when you're really giving supported um connected um programs because you know, everyone can go on a journey together and then they can create that sense of community and tribe and then, they, you know, they can create connections between each other and support each other as well as they're going out there, um, you know, and implementing the stuff that they're learning in a program. Yeah. So I do love having set start dates um, for that reason.
0: Yeah. Good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I decided to do that with mine as well because well because it's the first course I'm running as well, I really want to focus on those people that have invested in it and, you know, really look after them rather than being distracted with kind of constantly trying to get other people into it. So once mm-hmm. it actually starts, I kind of really want to focus on that. So I can certainly yes. yeah, relate to yeah.
1: that. Yeah, I think so. I mean the and the Evergreen kind of model works well in that kind of Mindset of, you know, well, you set up a course and you sell it and you don't care who does it. You know, it kind of ties into that. If, if you, if it's unsupported, evergreen yeah. can work. Like if I put up a course and I can sell it for $49 and I don't care if someone finishes it or not, well, it doesn't really matter when the start date is because people are just going to do it on their own and there's no me time involved. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Got it. Yeah. sure. Um, so, you know, that can work for you kind of entry level products, but not your top end.
0: Got it. Got it. We know as you were talking and you were saying that they're getting you and they're getting like your feedback. So is there a difference then between or is there a kind of a line between say an online course versus say a group coaching program?
1: Yeah, I kind of wrap them all up into one really. I don't, I don't, <laughs> it's hard to draw the line for me because, you know, I come from um, a, a coaching background as well. So for me, there's coaching, mentoring, facilitation, you know, and I, and I just, I don't, Really draw lines between what I'm doing. You know, I just kind of work with whatever the client's producing at the time. You know, do I, I'm not thinking about, am I coaching now or teaching or whatever? But I think that, um, you have to ask me the question again. Sorry, Katrina. Just
0: whether there was a difference between an online course versus a group coaching program. Hmm.
1: Yeah. So I guess, I guess when people talk about online courses, they're really, I think people probably when they when they imagine an online course, they're imagining that unsupported type of online course. I think, gen I mean, there's no real strict way that people use the terminology. I think um, you know, for many people, they're just interchangeable and different different ways of talking about the same thing. Yeah. Potentially, you know, if someone talks about an online course, they may be talking about something where they think that it's a you know the videos and everything are all there. Someone pays, they absorb it in their own time, and there's no support. That could be what people are imagining.
0: Got it. Got um, it. Okay. Yeah. All right. And so, pro- I
1: probably use them more a bit interchangeably, and I would say, you know, I I would say that you can still with an online course or you know, so I just say course or program, and to me they're interchangeable.
0: interchangeable. And no, I
1: think it probably depends on geographically where you are too, because I think. You know, for our friends in the States or, you know, other places around the world, course or program also means something different if you're thinking about, um, you know, university or college or all that sort of, you know, like the way that those words get used in different contexts. Sure. You know, really, they, ha- they can have so many different meanings, but, yeah. um, yeah, in
0: the way that's I cool. talk about it, it's more, they're, they're pretty interchangeable. Got it. Now you've, uh, you've touched on your seven stages, which is fabulous. And that's in your book, um, share your passion. So obviously uh, having a book is a great way to, to leverage yourself. And I'm, I'm just conscious of time because I know we've been chatting a bit, but, um, obviously we'll put a link to your book, which is fantastic. But w- what's it better to do then? Write a course for, uh, write a book first or create a course first?
1: Yeah, now this is a bit chicken and egg, isn't it? And I say, you know, vegan, you know, like ch- chicken roaming free, not caged up or <laughs> owned or used by anyone for any particular Absolutely. reason. <laughs> I was just thinking about you. How do you say it? Can you still say chicken or egg and then be vegan? I think we can, yeah, because it's yeah, like non-exploited. It's yeah. natural, not no, exploited. we're not exploiting chicken, yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so... It can be, you know, because in one sense, you know, having the book there is, you know, having a book is a credibility, an authority piece, right? It, it adds weight to your profile and who you are and what you stand for and, you know, all that sort of stuff. So in that sense, it's excellent. Um, having a course or program as well is also, um you know, we talked about it being potentially a bit like a business card, but it's also a leveraged income source. And so if you're writing a book, it's great to be able to then, Refer to the course or program and say, you know, if you love this book and you want more, hey, here's my, here's a, the link to my course. You might want to come and join me or whatever. So if your course is already available when you write your book, then you can refer to the course and upsell to that from the book. Right. If that makes it. Yeah. However, if you put your course or program out there and you haven't got a book, then you may not have the profile or credibility or authority that you might need to have weight behind you know, who are you to be um, facilitating this program? So, you know, uh, that's what I mean by being a bit chicken or egg. And I think there's no right or wrong way to go about it, I think. Um, but what you can think about is they don't need to be too far apart in terms of you completing them because if you follow the seven stages, you get to the end of that fifth stage, as I said earlier, you can then, from having that stage five all mapped out, write your book and create
0: your program very efficiently mm, yeah yeah no that makes, sense. that makes sense this is fantastic so so the way you work with people then renee you work with people one-on-one you've also got your book and your course the seven stages of course creation Um, so tell us a little bit then about where where do you envision your business going now because you're obviously very keen to empower particularly service providers and there's plenty of vegan service providers out there that I'm sure are getting great value just from listening to this podcast so where do you see yourself and your brand going for the future
1: oh well I'm a serial entrepreneur Katrina I don't think I can tie myself away too much but as long (laughs) as I still loving and enjoying this, you know, I'll keep doing it. <laughs> uh, you know, I couldn't say in 10 years, I'll definitely be doing it. I have all these passionate ideas and, you know, exciting things happening. And um, I founded a local um, vegans group, the Vegans of Elson group, for example, and, you know, that's taking off and all these exciting things are happening with local restaurants and things where, you know, they're omni restaurants, but they're, asking for us to come in and consult to them and give them advice on how to provide vegan options. So, you know, I'm getting excited about that stuff and thinking, oh, is that an option for me to create? Can I create courses and programs around that? You know, so I, I think as long as I'm juiced by what I'm doing and I feel like I'm adding value in the world then I'll be doing
0: it. Fantastic. Well, you're definitely, you know, your name of your business is Share Your Passion and you're obviously very much doing that. And I can hear that coming through even over the airwaves of this podcast. So you've shared some wonderful, really, really helpful information, um, particularly around leverage and course creation. So really appreciate you coming on the show, Renee. Thanks for joining me. Thanks so much for having me, Katrina. It's been so much fun. So that was Renee Hasseldine from Share Your Passion. You can find out more at shareyourpassion.com.au and that link is on the show notes page at veganbusinessmedia.com forward slash podcasts and going to episode 75. Now for our vegan business news roundup. Dee's Naturals, makers of the no-cow protein bars and nut butters in Cincinnati, Ohio, are undergoing a rebrand as the company's revenue continues to skyrocket, reports Business Den. Owner Daniel Katz, who's just 20 years old, is aiming to hit $100 million in revenue by 2019 after the two-year-old company increased sales from $1 million in 2015 to $10 million in 2016. The protein bars and nut butters, which use rice and pea protein to replace dairy, are currently available in around 12,000 stores across the US, including CVS, GNC, and The Vitamin Shop. Earlier this year, that's 2017 if you're listening in the future, the company received backing from the venture capital arm of General Mills, as well as Chicago based private equity firm Two Times Consumer Products Growth Partners and appointed an experienced food industry professional as CEO. Katz said the company's aim is to increase sales at existing stores rather than expanding. Meanwhile, it's undergoing a rebrand to change the name from Dee's Naturals to No Cow. The new brand and logo, along with new products, will be available by January 2018. Wow, isn't it great to see so many young entrepreneurs like this doing so well with vegan products? A new vegan restaurant that celebrates African heritage has opened in Baltimore, Maryland, reports Afro. The Grub Factory, a black-owned eatery, is part of a larger organisation called the Pan-African Liberation Movement, or PLM, founded by Imhotep Fatui in 1995. The organisation is dedicated to the productive transformation of African people and regularly hosts a lecture series, African Marketplace and other events. Instead of employees, the restaurant has community service providers allocated by PLM. The decor includes African art and sculptures, while the menu features vegan cheese steak, pancakes, French toast and vegan versions of Gyro's Rubens, pepper steak, shrimp salad and curry chicken. Fatui says the aim of the community-owned business is to bring good quality vegan food to people and create a chain of grub factories. So this is a different way of doing business, particularly if you've got a strong community to tap into. A new vegan condom brand is launched in Switzerland, reports Veg News. Green Condom Club is the brainchild of Swiss chemical engineer Gabrielle Lodz, who also makes menstrual cups and cloth diapers. Lodz created the condom range after being frustrated with the lack of transparency around ingredients such as casein from mainstream brands, which also test their products on animals. The price of the non-toxic vegan condoms, which are made from natural latex, are on par with traditional brands and are the first product of its kind to receive vegan certification by the European Vegetarian Union. It's fantastic to see growth in this area. We just don't realize how many everyday products involve animal cruelty and exploitation. So it's great to see entrepreneurs such as Lodz raising awareness as well as providing alternatives. Finally, Canadian vegan milk brand Vegemo recently launched its products into China in partnership with import company V-Power. Vegemo, which is owned by Global Gardens Group, is made from peas, potatoes, and tapioca from cassava to give it a creamy texture. The distribution deal covers the key China markets of Beijing, Shanghai, and Chengdu. Global Gardens Group CEO Rob Harrison said, China represents a fantastic opportunity for Vegemo, not only for its market size, but additionally, 90% of Chinese adults are lactose intolerant. This is excellent news and another win for the plant-based milk sector, which, as you'll know, if you're a regular listener to this podcast, continues to grow, with the global market expected to hit $35 billion by 2024. Great stuff. So that's it for this episode of Vegan Business Talk. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, I'd really appreciate it if you gave it a review and rating on iTunes or any other platform you're listening on. Finally, I encourage you to head over to veganbusinessmedia.com where you can find more resources, including details of my media and PR consultations, copywriting, editing and proofreading services to help you grow your vegan business. I'm Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business, and I look forward to catching up with you in the next episode of Vegan Business Talk. Bye for now.